The following KOPN podcast is made possible by the generous donations of listeners like you. Please consider a donation to listener-supported community radio, KOPN. You can donate securely on our website at kopn.org. Welcome to Food Sleuth Radio, where we help you think beyond your plate. I'm Melinda Hemmelgarn, a registered dietitian and investigative nutritionist, and I'm on a mission to connect the dots between food, health, and agriculture and find food truth. And I'm delighted today to have as our guest, Chris Elam. Chris is the program director for Meatless Monday, which is one of the many Public Health Monday campaigns that is part of the Johns Hopkins School of Public Health. And we are going to be talking about Meatless Monday as a way that we can help be healthier, both for ourselves and our planet. Chris, welcome. Oh, thanks. It's wonderful to be here. Thank you so much for inviting me. Well, you have an interesting background, and I should let our listeners know that we met actually over hors d'oeuvres at a Rodale gardening party. And when I found out that you were the program director for Meatless Mondays, I was so delighted. But you did graduate work in English literature at Oxford University. You produced a music show for MTV. You also moved to Kenya and completed a large photo project for UNICEF, which I think is fascinating and really does tie into the planet and the food choices we make. What on earth got you into the food issues? Well, that's a very good question. It's really just happenstance. I think, I, as many people are, I think I was truly impacted by living in Africa, for in Kenya, for just under a year. My wife had a Fulbright scholarship, so we were there for a year. And and just that notion of being there and feeling the, feeling the innate desire to serve and help people, I mean, I, it might be the, the trite answer, but that's exactly what happened for me. And I came back to New York City, where I live, and I've always lived in my adult life, and said, I would like to work for a nonprofit organization, and I went to an employment agency, and they sent me to this thing called Meatless Monday just about two years ago. So I, I have no experience in food, no experience in nonprofits, but an immense amount of experience communicating and writing and making messages that are clear and discernible and empowering, and that's at, at the heart of, of, of Meatless Monday. That's at the heart of so many of our public health campaigns and in our Save the Planet campaigns, and it's all connected. Before we get into Meatless Monday, I have to ask you some more questions about Kenya because I'm truly fascinated by your work there. What kinds of photos did you take for UNICEF? Well, that's interesting. I was curious, as are most Westerners, to go. I was living in Nairobi, so I was curious to visit Kibera, which is a very famous and notorious slum. Mm. In the vast Nairobi, there are nearly a million people, and it's the site of, of Central Park, so it's huge. It's a one vast labyrinth. So it's fascinating and, and baffling and debilitating and unnerving and shocking and also empowering and exciting and all those things. And I initially thought I would love to take some photos of families there, but I very quickly realized that most of the adults didn't want to be photographed, 
even when I had some friends who lived there, and it wasn't, I wasn't not just a, uh, a Western tourist with a camera. I was actually part of of the fabric there through friends who, who lived there all year round. But even so, in general, adults did not want to be photographed for a variety of reasons. But it was the kids. It was the kids who walked up to me, and many of them had never had their image taken before. And so I would photograph them with a sort of high-end digital camera. And I could flip the camera, they could see themselves on the screen, and it really brought joy to these kids to see themselves and see their image. And so I would do this long series, hundreds and hundreds, thousands, actually thousands and thousands of, of, of portraits. And before I left Kenya, I went back and, and gave all the kids, or, or at least the major families that I had connections with, these photos so they could have images at, at home. But it, it, was, it was a magical and difficult and wonderful experience, and then UNICEF was happy to uh, purchase a, a nice bit of, bit of the series mm-hmm. for what they do. It was what, wonderful. Were, were people malnourished there? Oh, absolutely, absolutely. Basically, throughout throughout Kenya, but particularly in in, in a Kenyan slum, most people will go beyond one meal a day, mm. and it will be mostly uh, ugali, which is a sort of a grain, like a sandy grain. And then a little bit of um, sukumawiki, which is like a green, uh, chopped greens and a little grain and, and water. And that's really it. Maybe one meal, maybe two meals a day. Never any notion of meat. But the nice thing is, 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 is a fertile country, so there's always vegetables. There are, there are tomatoes and fish if you can afford it. Um, in Western Kenya, like uh, Victoria, has a heritage of, of, of fish. But mostly, yeah, yes. But to answer your question, it's it's great poverty, vast unemployment, huge discrepancy in, in wealth, political turmoil now after the elections, and, and so people, yeah, people are greatly suffering. And then you come back to New York. And yeah, and it's it's a, an unbelievable shock. Yes, of course. Yes, it um, is. Just going, just when you first get to the airports in the United States, and you're then. It, you've got all these food courts and lots of contrasts from where you had been to then where you are now. Yeah, what you have basically what you have is excess. Exactly. You have, ex, you have excess and you have waste. Yes. System, systemic waste. And those two things you know, really slap it, slap you in the face when you, you've come from a place which is so spare and you're on the very edge every single day to have you know, endless aisles. And endless, you know, waste, you know, mm-hmm. either in restaurants or, or garbages or just in the way we live. Mm-hmm. It's, it's, it's a, you know, I, I speak regularly with Jonathan Bloom, who is the, yes, the, the great food waste expert. Yes. You've, you've perhaps met him, right? Yes, he's been a guest on our, on my show. He's oh, wonderful. Yeah, he, he is. He's absolutely wonderful. And of course, he's told you that we waste between 40 and 50% of our food, and it's just shocking. Yes, it is. Well, I think it's perfect then that you went from that previous employment to working with Meatless Monday. It does make sense. And one of the statistics that I read is that we eat 45% more meat than the USDA recommends. That's a lot. And then for men, men get 190% of their recommended protein intake and women get 160% of the recommended protein intake, much of which is coming from meat. Uh, so the Meatless Monday campaign was designed initially to get us to reduce our intake of saturated fat. Is that right? Yes, absolutely. It was uh, that, those, those, that was a very simple 
initial idea launched back in 2003, and and, and our founder and, and some basically some faculty at Johns Hopkins and their Bloomberg School of Public Health, they were looking at a report that the government suggested that people cut back their their, their sat fat limit by about, about 15 percent, and that would bring it within a healthy norm, and so. The, the folks started this movement and said, "Well, that sort of works out to if you if you correlate saturated fat to meat, and there's you know, and for many people that is, that is a direct correlation in their diet. If you were to cut back meat one day a week, well, that would bring your saturated fat intake to within a reasonably a rational and healthy range. So that that's how it started, really. That's that's, that's a simple idea: cut back a meat one day a week. And what kind of reaction did you get when, and I realize you haven't been with the program since 2003, but do you know the history of the program? Did did people embrace this idea wholeheartedly at first? Well, that's a very apt question. You know, it grew very, very slowly and for, for a variety of reasons. But, but one is, I think, you know, our culture, our way, society is changing so quickly. And now, for better or worse, perhaps, you know, many ways, the, well, the effects are worse. We're seeing that people are now suddenly aware of, of greenhouse gases, and they're suddenly aware of the health and environmental benefits of excess meat, mm-hmm. uh, uh, meat consumption. They're seeing in the news this endless stream of uh, food safety recalls. They are seeing that the epidemic rise of, of childhood obesity. They are seeing videos of animals being mistreated. They're seeing in their very wallet effects of the downturn in 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 the economy on our on our lifestyle for all these reasons and a whole lot more this idea of cutting back on meat one day a week is is now really much more appealing than it was and you can you can you can point to things like inconvenient truth the, the film right. uh, the Al Gore film you can point point to food Inc you can point to you know all these this news coverage you can you can, you can point to the fact that college students are more and more aware of these issues and are looking to get involved in these movements. All to say these issues are suddenly in the air where they weren't, even even just five or six years ago. And that's been crucial to the rise of this thing, Meet Us Monday. I'm sure the meat industry is not happy with this campaign. No, not by, no, not by any stretch. And you know, we, back in 2009, we extended our message to focus, as I said, we focused most on, initially on health. And then in 2009, we extended the message to focus both the, the health benefits as well as the environmental benefits of cutting back on meat. In other words, um, reducing your carbon footprint and, and reducing the amount of water usage, which is huge for the industry, and also cutting back on, on the fuel usage. So we, we expanded the message in 2009, and then soon thereafter, the entire Baltimore public school system embraced Meatless Monday. So all 80,000 school kids in Baltimore in their public school system now have Meatless Monday. Um, basically, they have, they have veggies or a veggie-based meal starting the week off. So that's a wonderful in and of itself. But then people, of course, like uh, Fox News and Glenn Beck heard about it and, and, and you know, did their you know, not surprising typical rants and then like the American Meat Institute and the American Pork Board, you know, you know, jumped in and said this is outrageous that kids are not getting their protein, <laughs> which is of course is exactly not the case because all that we do is encourage plant-based and grain-based and, and legumes and beans meals that are protein-heavy. 
Yes. In no way, are we, in no way uh, to, in short, are we, are we reducing protein. Yes, and you actually have on your website, and we should tell our listeners that it's simply www.meatlessmonday.com. You have a marvelous selection of categories to answer anyone's questions, but in the nutritional guidelines, and, and you're right, I mean, people really do worry oftentimes their child will want to become a vegetarian for not so much the health reasons, but for the environmental reasons and the animal compassion reasons. And so many times parents have come to me and said, I'm really worried about my child. They want to be vegetarian. How are they going to meet their nutritional needs? And really, it's quite easy to do so. But of course, people do need guidance. And I love the way you have on your website some little tiny suggestions. So instead of chicken soup, for example, you're going to have split pea or navy bean soup. Or instead of a hamburger, you'll have a soy or a veggie burger. And I want to just make one comment there. There should be a non-GMO soy burger because we want to reduce the amount of genetically modified crops in our country if we're smart. Instead of chopped bacon on a salad, you suggest chopped nuts or sunflower seeds. Instead of a turkey sandwich, a peanut butter sandwich. Instead of a chicken enchilada, a bean burrito. I mean, all of these things sound really delicious to me. Yeah, they're delicious and they're easy, and that's sort of the key. We on our on our website, we have, we, have, we there's a foodie who works with us, and she 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 offers she she so all our recipes on on our website come from readers and users, um, both to thank people and then. To, and then to encourage this notion of this national movement, which is spreading around the country, and so we have these wonderful recipes. But as you say, those are very, this very simple things people can do at home with their families, simple substitutes that are just as healthy, if not more healthy. Because a key thing that people didn't, I sure didn't know, and many people don't know, is it is it's one thing when you're eating a, say, a meat-based protein meal. There's no fiber in meat. Right, um, and that is a crucial thing, which which vegetables and beans and booms have. Right, isn't that true? It's absolutely true, and we are at, we are deficient in fiber in the United States. Yeah, d- deeply so. So, so what we want to do is is make this, this this idea as simple as possible. So we offer simple substitutes, and and it, it's what we do. It's a mild encouragement. You, you know, we ultimately our message. We're not we're not vegans. We're not even vegetarians. It's just one day a week. I know, it's we not asking so much. Precisely. It, it's a simple ask. We want people to just gradually become more aware of, of, of these issues and, and get excited about trying a, a new plant dish that they might not have tried before. Or right. try a food from a, plant, from a country that, 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 that loves to, 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 that really relishes in plant-based meals. It, it's just encouraging and, and getting people excited to try about these new things that, that wow, are also, also heavy, I'm sorry, healthy, and also often it costs less. Exactly. Um, Good point. You know, often, of course, sure, if you're eating a dollar meal at McDonald's, that's hard to beat. But, of course, there are, comes with immense downsides. Absolutely. Um, but you, there are so many wonderful plant-based and healthy protein meals that, 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 that don't call it, that cost very little. They're absolutely budget budget conscious. If you're just joining us, we are speaking with Chris Elam, who is the program director of Meatless Monday. Meatless Monday started in 2003, you mentioned, but I was reading about the history of these meatless campaigns and actually learned that this is not a new concept, like so many things, and that during World War I and World War II, there were similar campaigns to cut back on meat. 
And I thought this was fascinating. So during World War One, says the U.S. Food Administration urged families to reduce consumption of key staples to aid the war effort. Food will win the war, the government proclaimed. And there was a Meatless Monday and a Wheatless Wednesday. And I thought that was so interesting that we actually have a historical perspective. Yeah, isn't that interesting? I sure had no idea either, but it's so cool. It's so cool. And it's, it's, it's just this wonderful resonance. You know, back then, it, it was to cut back and, and save staples for, for the soldiers. Right. And, and, and really the country kind of coming together, binding together in the face of this great national and, and, and international challenge. And I think more than ever, uh, the, the world and, and this country needs that very thing, particularly mm-hmm. as, as we look ahead towards, you, you know, I'm sure you've perhaps talked with, it, with your audience about, about upcoming farm bill and, and, and the, the threat of, say, the Congress defunding the food safety bill and, and, and potentially cutting back on funding for the school foods, all these things which are so very important, and then the incursions of genetically engineered foods evermore into our diet, and things that the consumer needs to be aware of and, and bind together and say, well, we might not want all of these things. It might not be in the best interest of our nation. So it's nice to see that this idea, this, this idea of moderation, this Meatless Monday, has a historical background antecedent. Why Monday, Chris? That's a good question. And the idea of, I work, I'm part of the Monday campaigns, and we have several of the Monday initiatives, Meatless Monday being, being sort of the, 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 the most famous one. And the idea is basically to start the week right. And the notion is, whether it's for nutrition or exercise or health or cutting back on smoking, if you start something once a week and then do it every Monday, there's a greater chance that you'll begin to kind of weave it into your lifestyle. So say, you might want to try to meet this Monday one, one Monday and, and, and then go back to your routine if you need to and then try to get another Monday. And say, if, if you fall off the wagon, there's always on the Monday right around the corner. But it's the, uh, the idea of sort of after an, uh, an, an unstructured weekend of, of potentially indulgence, some people do, you start the week right. By, by kind of reframing your intentions. And you also have a, an encouragement for children to cook on Mondays, too. Yeah, we sure do. And that's our brand new initiative. It's called Kids Cook Monday. I love and, that. Yeah. And we just launched Monday, actually. And uh, it's uh, kidscookmonday.com, I think. Mm-hmm. So, no, maybe .org. We just launched it two, three days ago. But the idea is basically at a time when parents more than ever are are working long hours, two parents working uh, at the same time, and kids coming home, you know, last clicky kids, or kids spending too much time on the Internet or uh, texting or Internet games or whatever. This notion of this family fracturing. Right. What, we, what we're trying to do with kids cook, kids cook Monday is try to, at the very least, have parents kind of share time together, like cook a meal together, and they eat it together at the start of the week and make it a a nice, a a weekly ritual. Well, Chris, I was really surprised by how many different countries and schools and hospitals and restaurants all over the country have joined on to this. How did you help this this movement grow? Well, yeah, we are, like you, we're weekly shocked that that it's it's grown so quickly in the last two years, particularly in the last two years. The nuts and bolts of it, we thought to... To build a movement, what you need, you need foot soldiers. So we began to reach out to, to mommy bloggers and food bloggers and sort of develop a grassroots movement 
of people who do this thing of Meatless Monday online every week. So every Monday they would maybe um, do a Meatless entree and then take photographs and blog about it and tell their friends. So we, we began two years ago, sort of when I came on, there was, there was one Meatless Monday blogger, Kim O'Donnell, um, and now there are nearly 200 um, all around the country. And at the same time, I, I began speaking to some celebrities to try to see if they would embrace the idea. So, so the growth began both kind of bottom up and top down. Yes. And and then and perhaps to further answer your question, during Earth Day 2009, Michael Pollan was on Oprah on Earth Day, and Oprah asked Michael, "What's the one thing that people can do at home that will have the greatest impact on their carbon footprint?" And Michael said, "Go meatless on Monday, just like my family does." Wow! That had a huge impact, you know, on Oprah and Earth Day. And then a few months later, Baltimore's school system went meatless Monday. And then soon thereafter, Mario Batali, who's the, of course very famed meat chef, went meatless Monday on all those restaurants around the country. So, and then we were able to get more schools and more campuses. And then recently, Sodexo, the, the huge institutional food provider, has embraced Meatless Monday. Well, this is terrific. And I did see the long list of celebrities, and celebrities do sell things, don't they? They sure do. They, 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 they get press, and, and, and for whatever reason, people are curious about their lifestyle and what they do and what they eat and... and and so it's, it's helped us on a number of fronts, precisely. Well, and I saw also on the webpage, that's meatlessmonday.com, if you want to, if you joined us late and you want to check this out, that you have different campaign kits. So if you are in a public school, uh, like a K-12 through school, and you want to introduce this program to your food service, there's a campaign kit, a toolkit, I should say, yep. to help that happen. And then similarly to workplaces and college campuses, there are just some good ideas for building the campaign and building the movement. Yeah, just simple resources, simple tips that people can can do to, to bring this, this ultimately very simple idea to their place, whether it's a place of business or um, a, a place of schooling or a place of worship or a place of, of community gathering. It's just simple ways that, that we've found that people have great success. And everything's free. We're a nonprofit. All we do, you can also download posters on our site, which you can bring in again into your work site or into your campus or school. Everything is free, and it's all for, for people to use. Basically, we, we want we want to get this word out. So we're happy for you to take this idea and then tweak it um, to your audience. So as an example, some campuses, when they do Meatless Monday, they only serve veggie-based meals on Monday. And then some campuses uh, offer meat as well as, as meat options. And so they're offering as a choice. We, we encourage that choice notion because we, we, what we, don't, we want to do is see this thing as a positive as we're adding options, adding healthy options. Right. It's not really taking away. It's adding. It's adding good things for people. Right. Well, now, are you doing any sort of evaluation with regard to impact of this program? Well, that's a good question. Evaluation as it stands now is strictly watching the movement grow. Mm-hmm. And from again, from just a few bloggers to all over the country, we have right now there are programs in in Taiwan and Japan and Canada and Brazil and Holland and Croatia that have just popped up. Basically, people hear the idea and say, "I love it. 
I'm going to do it in my country. Mm-hmm. And then they might write, they might write, write us here and we might offer suggestions or, or links or resources. And then they do it in their country. So we're seeing it pop up everywhere. Sort of natural health evaluation. Right now, we we're, we're talking with some possible universities to see if they can embark on a long-term health assessment uh, studies. And we'll see if that happens. Well, I think, as you mentioned earlier, simply counting the increased grams of fiber that a person might be eating would be probably an easy evaluation tool. A more difficult one might be, and this is my question, is what kind of impact will this program have environmentally? You know, for every meat dish that we consume, how much extra water or grain or you know, what is that environmental impact of a meat meal versus a plant-based meal? Yeah, that's a great question. People are really, as they become more aware of, of our environment and, and, and threats to our environment, this is a really important question. And, and I'll just gloss over one or two things. On a website, you can find some great detail. Any number of wonderful websites out there. Perhaps you know, on your website, you, you can find this information. But, but one thing which I think is really people just have no idea it takes anywhere between 1,800 and 2,500 gallons of water to make a single pound of beef. Wow. Imagine 2,000 gallons of water for a single, for a single pound of, of, of hamburger meat. And that's, of course, irrigating the land, but that's also um, the, the, the water that's required in, in, in uh, growing the grains that, that uh, cattle eat in our current industrial industrial agriculture system. Mm-hmm. There's an immense amount of water. And secondly, fuel or gasoline, it takes 20 times as much fossil fuel to create a, a calorie of, of, of feedlot beef versus a plant-based protein. 20 times as much fuel. Mm. Again, this fuel is, of course, used in the machinery for irrigation, planting, gathering the crops. And then an average, an average meal... In, today in this country has traveled over a thousand miles. So imagine the gasoline required. So huge water demand, a huge fossil fuel demand. It's estimated that, that the uh, meat industry um, generates about a third of all man-made greenhouse gases, a direct link to, to climate change. Something like, oh, I'm not going to be able to quote the exact term, but, but I think we, in every minute or, or every day, I think it's perhaps every minute, of the world clear cuts seven football fields worth of, of rainforest, mm. ultimately either for soy or for, for, for other grains or for grazing of cattle. Yeah, these are such interesting points about how our food choices not only affect our personal health, but have these much more far-reaching impacts. That I, I love that this program is actually moving from the self to the larger planetary issues. I think it's a natural evolution. Chris, unfortunately, we're out of time, and I want to thank you so much for being here today. If you're wondering who I've been speaking with, it's Chris Elam, who is the Program Director of Meatless Monday. And I want to make sure all of our listeners know about your website. It's simply www.meatlessmonday.com. Lots of great tips, lots of ideas, and lots of reasons why we should really be questioning the amount of animal protein that we consume on a regular basis. Chris, thank you for being here. Oh, thank you so much. I, I, I loved it. And, and, and 
thanks for doing what you're doing. You're getting a, a, a regularly a, a wonderful message, and it's a great service well, to, to your viewers. Well, thank you so much. And I just want to remind everyone that Food Sleuth Radio is produced at KOPN Studios in beautiful downtown Columbia, Missouri. 